name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Jehocraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you another Wednesday evening, reflecting into the life and thought of Pope Francis. And as I do on Wednesday, I have Bob Cross joining me. Bob, it is good to have you with me another evening. Great to be here, Joe. Thank you. So the life and thought... You know, how, how do we go about, you know, treating the life of Pope Francis and, and his thought? Well, generally speaking, Bob, what we do here on Wednesday evenings is we take up where Pope Francis is in the news. And then, as we will be doing a great deal tonight, we get into his first major document, uh, The Joy of the Gospel, which is a reflection on the Church's call to the new evangelization, to evangelize with a new fervor and a new heart. And so, in far as Pope Francis in the news goes, well, we talked a lot last week, Bob, about the canonization of, now we can say, Saint John Paul II and Saint John the Twenty-Third. how good it is to say that, how great it is to say that. Um, and as we talked about last week, really, Pope Francis in his uh, homily and in, in his words at the canonization, really reaffirmed a lot of what we were talking about, Bob, that these are two men whose lives are interconnected from the Vatican II and to the new evangelization, and how uh, then Pope John Paul II really set out to uh, really uh, implement the teachings of Vatican II, and this is what he did, and of course, to have it on the Feast of Divine Mercy Sunday, two men whose lives were devoted to mercy. The great homily we talked about last week in, in the uh, opening homily given by Pope John the Twenty-Third at Vatican II, where he talked about the Church reaching out to the world, offering the medicine of mercy. This was his strategic goal. This was his hope. This was his dream. And how Pope John Paul II, when he was elected, uh, took that goal, took that dream, took that hope, and he implemented it. And of course, his life so devoted to mercy, his great encyclical, rich in mercy, really taught us what it means to say mercy is love's second name, really showed us how mercy is the chief attribute of God. And so, timely enough, he canonizes the both of them on the Feast of Divine Mercy Sunday. And he had some beautiful words about mercy as it Uh, related to those two uh, great men, those two saints. Now, all of that being said, Bob, I really did want to uh, get into uh, Joy of the Gospel, and we are going to do that. We're going to hit paragraphs 40, 41, and 42. Uh, But before we do that, just I want to offer up one more reflection. This past week, there's been some articles written about the papacy according to the media and the papacy according to his actual papacy. And really, the the line in the sand was his popularity uh, versus the reality of what he's doing. And one of the articles made the point, you know, certainly God is using his popularity. Certainly God is having 
Catholics and non-Catholics alike, Bob, ask new questions about the Catholic faith because of this man, Rightful, uh, rightfully so. But there is a presentation of this media that uh, is untrue, creating this, this pseudo-pope or false pope. And as we talked about a month ago, <laughs> uh, Pope Francis called that out. He's talking about the sins of the media to actually speak to the facts for what they are. And he was clear. He was clear. But saying that, there's no question, Bob, that God is using his popularity. We just have to make sure that we have a clear understanding of who this man is. So by studying this exhortation, by studying this work, Joy of the Gospel, it's really about being able to get to know this man by actually studying the work. And so that is what we're going to do. Study the work, continue to study the work, and by doing so, get to know the man, Pope Francis. You know, I, and it's, I don't think there's any other better way to get to really know who this man is unless you get into this document we're talking about. I mean, that's, there's a reason that, that we're taking the time each week and the topic of, of Pope Francis to really get into what he thinks, what he believes, and uh, what he is all about. Because I know I've learned a lot about the man by yes. virtue of just preparing for the radio show, reading this document. And I encourage everyone out there, if you really want to know who Pope Francis is, read this document. It's yeah. online. It's, it's, it's easy to read. It's, it's, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, you can see, and we'll talk about this, why the media portrays him the way that they do and why they, you know, um, prop him up because they're reading into some of what he is all about and what he states and stands for. Things that aren't true. Yeah. I mean, things that they would like to think that he is saying, but aren't necessarily what he means. Yeah. Yeah, it's this isolation of a particular sentence or even a word out of its original context of this document. Yeah, minus, Bob, the actual encounter or a meeting Pope Francis in person, certainly reading this document allows us to better understand who he is, and also his vision for the church. Remember, this is a document, as we've talked about, on and for the new evangelization. It is an exhortation. What is an exhortation? It is a challenge. It is a calling forth. It is a, you church out there, embrace these truths and we will be a stronger church for it. That is his exhortation. And so, yeah, let us get into the joy of the gospel. Okay, uh, this is... um actually paragraph 40 in, um, so I guess that's chapter four, mission embodied with human limits. Um, the church is herself a missionary disciple. She needs to grow in her interpretation of the revealed word and in her understanding of truth. It is the task of exegetes and theologians to help the judgment of the church to mature. The other sciences also help to accomplish this each in its own way. With references to the social sciences, for example, John Paul II said that the church values their research, which helps her to derive concrete indications helpful for her magisterial mission. Within the church, countless issues are being studied and reflected upon with great freedom. Differing currents of thought in philosophy, theology, and pastoral practice, if open to being reconciled by the spirit and respect and love, can enable the church to grow since all of them help to express more clearly the immense riches of God's word. For those who long for a monolithic body of doctrine guarded by all and leaving no room for nuance, this might appear as undesirable and leading to confusion. 
But in fact, such variety serves to bring out and develop different facets of the inexhaustible riches of the gospel. So what is he talking about here? Bob, let us take a step back here, and and I want to offer up a context for our listeners. We have social science, and we have spiritual science. And and in the social sciences, you have what? You have psychology, sociology, and within sociology, you know, econ, medicine, health, and well-being. Uh, There's lots of social sciences, Bob. And what Pope Francis is saying is these things are—can be a good thing. And the Church sees these disciplines, sees these sciences— as good things. But we also have to regard the spiritual sciences, philosophy, and theology. We can spend a lot of time focusing in on the social sciences without any regard to the spiritual sciences. I mean, we could, we, if, if we are a psychologist, if we are a counselor, a psychiatrist, if we're an economist, whatever we are in the realm of social sciences, there is a ceiling to that science if we do not put it in the context of spiritual realities. We could put this in terms of body and soul. You know, we can be spending a lot of time into developing the body and how we are wired and all the rest, but if we disregard the soul, we are disregarding the whole person. And this leaves us with a fragmented picture of understanding the nature of truth. So what Pope Francis is saying is that essentially the Church sees these sciences as good things, and then they can really help us to better understand, as he says, the inexhaustible riches of the gospel. I mean, our Lord entered into human history into very specific situations as it relates to politics, the economy, medicine, all of that. All of that was a part of his plan. So to go in and appreciate the dynamic of all of the social sciences within the context of the time of Christ, yeah, that can help us better understand certainly theology and biblical theology. Sure. I mean, you, you think about it, and what, what did Christ do? He got, he got sideways with the Pharisees and the scribes, because he was te- speaking more, I mean, he was talking about the spiritual sciences along with the social sciences at that time, mm-hmm. when the gospel is about how you actually live at a social level, or how we live our lives in relationship to our love for God. Yeah. And that's what the gospel is, is, is teaching us, and I, that's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, love for God and how that love then pours itself out into the community. Yeah, this is, this is uh, social justice in its truest sense. The, the one who once wrapped in that relationship with Jesus Christ has a better understanding of what it means to, to then love and defend the dignity of the human person. And so, yeah, the relationship between the social sciences and the spiritual sciences is very important. And he's saying that the church understands this, the church wishes to take it up, and uh, yeah, we need to be able to, to go there. You know, he uses the word exegete. You know, what does the word exegete mean? Simply, it means one who expounds upon or who interprets, right? That word typically is applied to a biblical theologian. What is a theologian? Simply someone who is versed in the principles of the science of theology. You know, who is a doctor? Someone who is versed in the principles and the science of medicine, right? Um, So just simplifying terminology here. So what Pope Francis is saying, ultimately, is that the social scientists, sciences in general, Bob, if we were to go back into history, you know, we have talked about this before. I mean, you go back into the Middle Ages in, in, in Europe, and what you see is all of the great sciences were pioneered by the Jesuit school of theology. 
a lot of these great scientists and names we might be familiar with in our history books are actually philosophers and, and Jesuit priests and, and theologians. Uh, that's kind of off our radar, but uh, you know, that's, that's the stuff of history. So with that, let us jump forward to paragraph 41, where Pope Francis says, At the same time today's vast and rapid cultural changes demand that we constantly seek ways of expressing unchanging truths in a language which brings out their abiding newness. That a positive faith is one thing, the way it is expressed is another. There are times when the faithful in listening to complete orthodox language take away something alien to the authentic gospel of Jesus Christ because that language is alien to their own way of speaking to and understanding one another. With the holy intent of communicating the truth about God and humanity, we sometimes give them a false God or a human ideal which is not really Christian. In this way, we hold fast to a formulation while failing to convey its substance. This is the greatest danger, he says. Let us never forget that the expression of truth can take different forms. The renewal of these forms of expression become, becomes necessary for the sake of transmitting to the people of today the gospel message and its unchanging meaning. This is what we spoke to a few weeks ago, Bob, right? The importance of how we express the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We went to Jesus Christ himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, second person of the Holy Trinity, right? He, and he distills the incomprehensibility of the Trinity in these wonderful parables, in these wonderful stories. He makes comprehensible what for so many years was incomprehensible. And he does it in a way that invites people in, asking new questions, and this is what it's about. I mean, you know, Bob, how often have we gone to the doctor's office? And in hearing the diagnosis, we hear some, you know, (laughs) very long word, (laughs) and we respond with, okay, come on, doc, layman terms. I don't know how many times I said that in about a 12-hour time span when my uh, newest daughter, Sienna, uh, we needed to go up to Sutter, down to Sutter, and uh, they were giving me all of these uh, technical terms and and this diagnosis and that diagnosis and all these fancy words, and I just finally, you know, enough is enough. Just put this in layman terms so I can understand. And (laughs) funny enough, the doctor would always be able to do it. Well, it means this. No, so why don't you just tell me that in the first place? What Pope Francis is saying here is there is a tendency, mea culpa, (laughs) I raise my hand, for us to use such technical language that we lose our audience. You know, we're not going to give peaches and cream to fish. They're not going to take it, you know. So we have to be able to bring down this technical language so that our audience can understand. And we have, again, the great model in our Lord Jesus Christ, Bob, who did it so beautifully. Well, and I love the way that he, that Pope Francis says the deposit of faith is one thing and the way it is expressed is another. I mean, it's, yeah. it goes to the heart of what we're saying. And you know, Jesus, he didn't use, he didn't, I, he didn't have crib notes. I don't think he had any kind of a PowerPoint presentation. Yeah. He was speaking to people, and we've talked about it before, to an audience that understood what he was describing. You know, and, and this is what Pope Francis is, is telling us, is that you know, we have to be able to relate the gospel and the deposit of truth in a manner that allows for everyone to really know what we're talking about. Everybody speaks and hears things differently. It's funny, um, just by virtue of the way that I speak sometimes, I'll say something and to one of my kids, 
And just because of my tone, they take it completely yes. out of context. Yes. You know, I yeah. mean, we all do that. And, and that's what, uh, what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, we have talked about uh, Pope Francis before and all of his, what, 10 million followers on, on Twitter. If you were to go to some of those tweets, the real simple messages. I mean, he really is the Pope for Twitter because uh, it's his language, you know, and he's always going back to the gospel message. He's always making uh, the, the, the truths simple, yet profound. He's, he's got these zingers, you know, <laughs> he's got these one-liners that are great. And so yeah, really, he, he's exercising what he's challenging us to do, simplified. But there's something else that I, I failed to mention a few weeks ago, Bob, and that is, as we talk about expression, there is also method. Now, we talked about method, but specifically method to uh, drama, music, and art, and especially how it points to beauty, especially how it points to beauty. You know, we can speak truth. Uh, we can do many acts of, of goodness and, and kindness. But I dare say, and this is really the ancients that speak to this as well, it's beauty itself that captivates every soul. Who doesn't stop when seeing a rainbow and say, wow, look at that beauty. My three-year-old son this morning, I was, I was going to do some work online and I pulled up the computer and our, our screensaver there is uh, Bing.com and, and Bing always has those beautiful images, striking images of, of the natural world. And you know Isaac was doing his thing and he was into his baseball game, and in mid-stride, he says, ooh, 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 pretty, Daddy. <laughs> you know, he was taken by the beauty of this immense canyon and this beautiful blue water, you know, and the sunset. It was just, it was beautiful. It was captivating. It even captivated my three-year-old, <laughs> you know. There's something about beauty first, Bob. You know, I, I've heard uh, others speak on this topic, and... You know, when you talk about truth, beauty, and goodness, let's put beauty first, because it's beauty that opens us up to the truths of Jesus Christ and ultimately His goodness. As sensory beings, I mean, that's what, what, what first, you know, gets our attention, let's, yeah. let's face it, in, in all these different ways. Like I said, you know, anything that's naturally beauty, it, it, it makes us what we are, and it's human, and I think it's... It has to do with that, um, you know, that that likeness of God. We appreciate things That's right. that are beautiful, and it 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 brings us around. Yeah, so you're right. It's like the you got to put that ahead of yeah. the other things. That natural beauty. I mean, it's it's God showing off. Yeah. You know, s- some of these pictures uh, that that uh, <laughs> this particular website puts up, uh, f- fascinating. And I I was looking at an um, app. Someone downloaded an app uh, on on natural beauty, and I was just flipping through the images, and wow. And so. One of the things that we have as Catholics is is beauty, and mm-hmm. it, it's something to to really um, show off, <laughs> you know, and grab people's uh, attention, and to really in- embrace that you know there are things we can do to get people's attention within the context of method. You know, I was thinking about Leonardo de Filippis and his one man drama. He was out here a few years ago doing these one man drama of saints. He did one of of Our Lord and and the cross, just to be creative so that we would captivate the imagination. We talked about the importance of imagination before, as we talk about the faculties of the soul and how important that is. We talk about the social sciences and we were talking about the spiritual sciences earlier, Bob. I mean, in spiritual sciences, you're talking about the soul, you know, memory, 
intellect, will, imagination. We have to we have to do better in evangelizing the imagination. And we do so by offering the world things that are beautiful and expressing that in a way that uh, is attractive and, and inviting. Um, really, this is what it's about. And always, always, you were talking about inflection of tone, Bob, always, it's in a union with the Holy Spirit. This is the other principle, ardor, you know, ardere in the Latin, to be on fire for God. Uh, Pope Francis has spoken to this beautifully and strikingly so has he. The entheos, we must be enthusiastic for Jesus Christ. Uh, to bear God within is what that word enthusiasm means, entheos. Uh, to be on fire for God, to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He talks about it later in this document as well. So really, as we talk about expression and then we speak to method and ardor, these three principles, Bob, are the connective tissue from the gospel message of Jesus Christ to the new evangelization. Now, that being said, we won't have time necessarily to read 42, but the point that Pope Francis makes, I think, is invaluable when he says, and I'll just just give you one sentence, some things are understood and appreciated only from the standpoint of the ascent, which is a sister to love, beyond the range of clear reasons and arguments. Faith always remains something of a cross. It retains a certain obscurity which does not detract from the firmness of its ascent. What is he saying there, Bob? He's simply saying, no matter how good our evangelization and catechesis may be in its ardor, methods, and expression, it still means someone has to give their ascent to God. And that's always going to bear a cross. And sometimes people are just not ready. People are just not ready. Uh, And so he encourages us there in this paragraph to make sure that your life is a reflection of the person that you speak about in Jesus Christ, that you are witnessing in love. But remember that no matter how articulate our catechesis may be, no matter how creative our evangelization may be, sometimes the heart just is not disposed and what can you do but pray for them and just continue to reach out to them? Sure, sure. And, you know, you touched on something that's incredibly important. And um, I may have mentioned it before in this program that, <clears throat> you know, I, I taught and studied sales for many, many years in, in, in my career. And I used to just express one th- important, you know, aspect to every young fledgling salesperson. It's, it's like, even if, you know, be truthful, number one, that was important, of course. But the second thing was be enthusiastic. Yeah. If you're excited about what you represent, if you have that ardor that we're talking about, that excitement, that enthusiasm, that we're in love with the beauty of the yeah. gospel, yeah. even if they aren't ready right then, they'll remember that excitement. And when they're ready, they'll call. Yeah. Or they'll, they'll seek you out. And it's that way in the business world, and it's that way with evangelization. Well, and that's all. It really is first. I mean, in paragraph 41, Pope Francis speaks to expression. And so we speak to expression, and then we went from down to methods and ardor. But really, as John Paul II first spoke to it, it was ardor, methods, and expression in that order for a reason, because you just spoke to it, Bob. (laughs) If you are passionate about what you are doing, I mean, that's, that's the first sales pitch. You know, I mean, yeah, you, you have to be creative. You, you, you have to be articulate in what you're saying so that it is understandable in a language 
that might draw them in or invite them in. But they're going to remember that passion. They're going to remember that enthusiasm. And they're going to ask themselves a question. Why is he so excited? Why is he so excited? You know, if I come back from an amusement park, Bob, if I come back from an A's baseball game, and I come back excited and fired up and with, with great zeal to my family and friends, what are they going to want to do? They're going to want to go to the amusement park. They're going to want to go to the baseball game. They're going to want to go to wherever I came from, right? Because they want to be a part of it. When we are speaking on matters of the Catholic and Christian faith and we do it with enthusiasm, guess what, Bob? They're going to ask themselves the question, why is he so excited? And I want that excitement. I want that excitement. This really is part of the draw of Pope Francis. There is an authentic joy that is inviting and an enthusiasm that has people saying, hmm, what's this guy all about? And this isn't a knock on, say, a, a Pope Benedict, of course, a man of different charism, a great gift to the church, arguably a saint in his own right. But I tell you, Pope Francis is communicating something to us here, and he, he is embodying in his own life. And so for that, amen. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. You can genuinely hear the joy in his words. You can see it in his expression in all the pictures in the media. And um, he just, he speaks to love. And that's what the gospel is. It's the good news yeah. of Christ's love, God's love for us. And he never loses sight of that in this document. No. If you read this from one end to the other, what you see is his constant going back to the core message of Jesus Christ. I think you hit it on the head. I think it's the passion. Yeah. It, there's a passion there, an excitement that maybe we don't see sometimes or hear sometimes or read sometimes in something that might be a little bit more scholarly. Yeah, so. yeah, that's right. Well, that's a wrap for our time uh, together here this evening, Bob. And what we'll do next week is we'll just pick, uh, pick right up where we left off with, uh, see, paragraphs 42 and, and 43. Let us close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. And God bless you. You've been listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening from 6.30 to 7 p.m. right here on KKXX. If you have questions or feedback, you may email Joe at jholljmj at yahoo.com. For a copy of today's program, visit joeholcraft.org or call KKXX during regular business hours at 894-7325. Thanks for listening to the Seeds of Truth on KKXX.